Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and today we're talking with Carly Waters, VP and Senior Literary Agent at PS Literary Agency. Carly is also the author of Getting Published in the 21st Century, Advice from a Literary Agent. Carly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. No problem. What exactly is a literary agent, and what can they do for an author? That's a really good question. Um, you know, when writers set out to write their book, they don't really think about the business side of, uh, of the whole process, which is kind of what I'm here for. So a literary agent is kind of one of those catch-all jobs that covers a lot of, you know, parts of the job that writers just necessarily don't kind of want to think about um, because, you know, they're busy writing their books. So to me, it's kind of one of the most fun parts of working in the publishing industry because it covers so many things that, um, you know, if one was to work at a publishing house, they'd be doing one aspect of the job. So agents cover everything from helping writers edit their books. Um, you know, we're basically the writer's first editor. Um, we are the person that takes care of all the contracts. Um, a lot of times I'm also kind of a PR consultant, kind of helping writers, you know, manage the publicity side of things. I'm also kind of a brand consultant about figuring out, you know, next steps for writers' careers, all of that sort of thing. Um, but at the end of the day, our job is to be um, the writer's advocate and kind of their first um, their first point of command to kind of project manage everything from beginning to end. Um, and that's kind of what makes it the most fun part of the job because we get to be their first and biggest fan. Um, and our job overall is, you know, as I said, just to kind of keep them on track um, from a business point of view. Sometimes we're there uh, for contracts and kind of the more nitty-gritty stuff. Sometimes we're there just as a friend, um, you know, someone as a therapist, anybody that has a has a <laughs> friend who's a writer or is a writer or, you know, knows an artist, they know it can be a bit of temperamental ups and downs. So, yeah, we get to be that, that person that guides them through the whole process. Wow. So you really have this sort of, I mean, multifaceted job for the author, which is pretty fantastic, all the different things an agent can do. Could you maybe walk us through what a typical day is like for you in the agency? Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure it comes to no surprise to people that uh, it's pretty much different every day. Um, you know, my first kind of responsibility is always to my clients. Um, and then it also falls to, you know, editors that I'm in contact with because I'm always trying to sell my clients' books or you know, manage their books with editors. So it's kind of, you know, I'm talking to people at, at various um, stages of their publishing career. So sometimes I'm talking to the editor, sometimes I'm talking to their publicist, sometimes we're talking to sales, um, sometimes we're talking to the cover designers. So this is kind of the chain of emails that I have going on at any given time. And I have about 25 authors. So you can imagine, you know, there's for every book, for every client um, at every publishing house, um, I have a lot of emails coming in, but it makes it really fun. Um, sometimes I jump on phone calls. We have conference calls um, to kind of get everybody on board. Um, so we're all on the same page because sometimes email doesn't cut it, um, which also comes to no surprise to everybody. Um, and other than that, you know, I'm really active on Twitter. Uh, you know, I you know, find it really personally um, engaging to talk to authors, you know, help them going, help them, you know, with whatever they're going through, um, because a lot of writers out there don't have agents or they're looking for agents. So I kind of counsel people on Twitter about, um, you know, how they can get an agent. So I, I find that a really valuable part of my job. 
Um, I, the other thing I think that uh, writers might not know is that, you know, reading is essentially kind of one of the last things uh, on my to-do list and one of the last things I'm able to get to because I am managing, you know, 25 people, um, you know, the things that are coming in that are unsolicited um, are kind of the things that are last on my to-do list, meaning I get to them in the evenings or on the weekends or, you know, as soon as they come in, I'm not really able to drop everything um, because I am focusing on my clients, Um, which once you're one of my clients, that's great. But if you're trying to get an agent, I know that can be a frustrating thing to hear. How many, I mean, typically how many queries do you receive a day from authors seeking representation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it kind of has a flow depending on time of year. Um, it kind of moves somewhat with the kind of school system. So, um, you know, when people are off for holidays um, in December or um, a March break or, you know, back to back to school, back to work in the new year. So there's kind of a flow in terms of um, in that sort of thing. So we do get more at certain times of year. Um, but I would say overall, and I, and I actually keep count, and I have over the past number of years, um, so right now we're up to about um, 2,000 a month, which means I think wow. on average we're looking at, yeah, 50 to 70 a day coming into my agency, which has five agents. So it's kind of divided up amongst the five agents. Wow. Is there anything, you know, anything authors should really keep in mind and make sure that they have completed and prepared before they begin querying an agent? Oh, man, yeah. I have a long list, that's for sure. Um, You know, the most important thing, you know, and writers sometimes figure out this the hard way because, you know, they query sometimes before they're ready. And, you know, sometimes they don't know they're not ready. But the most important thing is that, um, and I should mention there's a distinction between when you're querying a novel fiction versus when you're querying a nonfiction project. So with fiction, you have to have the entire manuscript complete. So I'm not able to be pitched anything kind of on a partial or um, on concept because, you know, if I get excited about something and I want to represent something, um, you know, I kind of have to be able to sell it right away. And, you know, you want you want an agent who's, you know, ready and excited at the time. You don't kind of want to drag things on and say, oh, actually, it's not quite ready yet. Um, and as everybody knows who writes, I mean, novel takes shape and change over the course of writing them. So, you know, if you pitch me just on a concept, you know, there's not really much I can do with that. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing you need is a query letter. So you have to have, um, you know, that kind of one-page cover letter covering, you know, all the basics. So you need to know your word count, your genre. Um, Sometimes I like to see comparative titles in there, which means, um, you know, if there's something out there on the market that's maybe similar to what you're doing, um, Mm -hmm. but, you know, know, should also show the gap in the market. Sometimes it's just nice to know uh, to kind of set the tone for the book, to have some comparative titles in there. And other than that, um, yeah, you just kind of need to know what your hook is, meaning, you know, how is this book different? You know, why should we get excited about it? Um, and uh, and then on the nonfiction side, as I mentioned, nonfiction is different. You need to have a, a proposal completed. Um, and that means for nonfiction, you don't actually have, the, have to have the entire book written, which is great. Um, okay. But as anybody who's written a proposal knows, you know, it's, it's a lot of work putting together, you know, the, essentially kind of a 70-page document, which is a business plan outlining, you know, this is my idea, this is the market for it, this is my table of contents, and then um, nonfiction proposals need to include three chapters. So that's kind of, yeah, the overarching, uh, if you're looking for an agent, that's the kind of thing I need to see in my inbox. 
Wow, this is great advice. Everyone, you're listening to Literary Speaking with Chris Lee Quibble, and today we're talking with Carly Waters of PS Literary Agency. When we come back, we'll discuss how to get your query seen and what agents are looking for in terms of author platform. Tweet with us at WriterCrystal with the hashtag AgentTips. We'll be right back. Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today. Welcome back to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibble, and today we're continuing our conversation with Carly Waters, VP and Senior Literary Agent of PS Literary Agency. She's also the author of Getting Published in the 21st Century, Advice from a Literary Agent. Carly, how long does it typically take for an author to receive a response to their query? Okay, so that's um, one of those questions that depend a little bit on agency. Um, every agency, mm-hmm. you know, outlines um, on their website what their guidelines are. So our agency, um, in, and we um, make sure that writers get um, kind of an auto response to their query. So as soon as you send us, a, a, you know, your query, you do get a, a kind of a bounce back auto response, letting you know that we received it, which is great. <laughs> it's a lot of people at ease. And then in that email, we also let you know um, it's a four to six week uh, response rate. And at our agency, um, we have a a no response means no policy. So we say, you know, if we're interested, we're going to get back to you in four to six weeks, um, you know, with a request for some more material. If you don't hear from us in four to six weeks, that means, um, you know, everybody's looked at it. We've decided it's a pass and, you know, it's uh, it's good for you to go on your way. Um, And so some agencies do still respond to every query. Um, Our agency actually used to do that for a long time, um, and it was just in the past six months we've we've moved to a no response means no policy. So it's one of those things, as I said, everybody does it a little bit differently, um, but, you know, we think, you know, this is the best way to serve writers. um, And, yeah, we hope everybody understands. (laughs) And I think think there's – Part two, I'm, I've heard other agents maybe discuss this, but once you receive a no from one person in the agency, that's a no for everyone in the entire agency, correct? Yes. Um, that's a very, very safe rule to follow. Um, at our agency, the way that it works is that we just have kind of one um, inbox bank of, you know, where it goes for everybody. So some agents at my agency look at all of the queries, the, the 2,000 a month, um, you know, and go through them all, even if it's not addressed to them, just to kind of see if there's some interest there. But every agent agent does look at the ones addressed to them. It's just, you know, some people actually do look at all of them. So yeah, everything is, is very well looked at. Um, which means, you know, there's no point in kind of resending again. Okay. What makes a query letter stand out for you? Are there any sort of typical mistakes you see when reviewing queries that make you stop reading right away? Oh, yeah, this is a million-dollar question, I think. Everybody's – all the writers are ready to take notes. Um, For me, I mean, and I do like to focus on the positive, you know, and and celebrate people that do it well, um, you know, because there is a lot of negative information out there, you know, don't do this, don't do that. So the important things to kind of make it stand out is uh, personalizing it. You know, surprisingly, we do get a lot of queries that say, you know, dear agent or something like that, where I know they're just copy and pasting it and sending it to all the agents, which at the end of the day, I know that you're you're querying other agents. It's not a surprise to me, but it almost feels like if you can't go to that extra step and make the effort to address it to me, then, you know, why am I, you know, one of your first picks of agents, that sort of thing. Um, 
and, and when, when you personalize it, you know, that also means that you've done a bit of research. So I like it when writers can either mention that, you know, they follow me on Twitter or they've read my blog post or they have like a favorite or, you know, they've read my client's books. You know, that's always nice. It's not a requirement to read my client's books, but it's also, you know, kind of nice that they can understand what my taste is because you don't really understand my taste until you've read some of my client's books, which is important. Um, I, I personally like queries that are on the shorter side. Um, you know, I don't like queries that are, you know, over 400 words. I kind of like them around the between 250 words to 350 words. And I know writers freak out a little bit when they hear this because they think, you know, this is my 80,000-word novel. How am I supposed to boil it down, uh, you know, to, to this kind of one-page document? But to me, it's really important because it tells me that a writer knows how to pitch their book and they know what the essence of the book is and they know why it's different um, and they're able to focus on the plot and their kind of external conflict that makes a novel a novel. Those are all really important things to me. Um, And so when I read queries that are very long and very rambling, to me that tells me that you don't actually know what your book is about. And if you don't know what your book is about, how am I supposed to know what your book is about? So that's a really important thing to me. Um, So in terms of mistakes, I mean, ultimately things that are too long, things that ramble, um, anything that kind of gets away from the plot of the book to me can be a bit of a misstep. Um, I don't really like to be pitched on themes. Um, you know, I actually want to be pitched on the plot and, and what the actual book is about and, and why it's different. Okay, great. For seasoned writers, we hear a lot about, you know, building this author platform before we even start to seek representation. And I think a lot of people become overwhelmed mm-hmm. with whether or not there's this sort of magic number of followers or fans you should have. What do most agents mean by a large platform in terms of numbers? Yeah, that's one of those questions that has definitely changed um, as the internet evolves. Um, and there's also oh, there's always different platforms um, in terms of you know social media that are considered more hot or not depending on your genre. Um, another thing I just want to make a, a distinction between again is the whole nonfiction versus fiction difference. So with nonfiction, if you're going to pitch me something based on the fact that you are an expert in a field or or something like that. That's really where the platform comes comes into play. So if you want to say, you know, I'm an expert in this field, you know, I've been doing this for X number of years, um, you know, people see me as, a, you know, as somebody to pay attention to in, in a certain industry. That's that's where um, platform are, is really important. So what I'm looking for in terms of platform would be a really engaged audience. So my answer to this question usually isn't based in numbers because if you have mm-hmm. 2,000 fans versus 20,000 fans, you know, if, if it just depends on the level of engagement. I mean, if your 2,000 fans are engaging with you on a daily basis, that means that, you know, that that's more essentially 2,000 potential buyers versus, versus you know, 20,000 something or others, you know, YouTube hits or views on a certain video. You know, that doesn't really translate necessarily into sales. Mm-hmm. So what I'm looking for is somebody that knows how to, you know, really engage with their audience. They're very, you know, authentic online. Um, you know, they, they're putting in the time to kind of build a community around their platform. And again, that can be, you know, one of many things. It could be, you know, Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or podcasts or radio, you know, whatever it is that, that you're an expert in. And then the counter side to that would obviously be the the novelists out there, the fiction writers. Um, and, and anybody who's writing a novel should be focusing on their novel. You know, they should be focusing on writing the best book they could possibly write. You know, they shouldn't be actually spending the time, um, you know, putting in hours building a platform when they should really be working on their craft. So for fiction, you know, I'm not expecting anybody to come to, come to me and say they have, you know, uh, a certain 
large following. It's great. It's great when they do. You know, somebody like John Green, mm-hmm. you know, he built his platform based on YouTube blogging, and, you know, he was great at it, and, and but he also put so much time into his craft and, and, you know, had come up, you know, doing both simultaneously. So there's many examples of, of novelists that do have large platforms, and um, it's obviously, you know, worked out really well for them. Um, but I, I just want to make sure we don't freak anybody out because, you know, when you're working on your novel, the most important thing is that you write a really great book. Excellent. What What do you think an author could do to build their platform in probably the most consistent way to let an agent know that they're serious, both about their craft, but also about building relationships with their community so that they can sell books? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so what I usually advise writers to do is to pick one single platform. Because a lot of people, you know, use Facebook for private purposes, so I'm not expecting them to kind of exploit that private audience for, you know, their their more public writerly goals. So usually that means that they turn to Twitter, which is a great, great way to kind of to build that platform. Some people blog, some people, you know, start podcasts, as I said, whatever it kind of is that you want to choose to be your one thing. I really suggest people putting a lot of energy into deciding, you know, what is more authentic to them? You know, what do they like, in, you know, what do they like to spend their time on? If you don't like to spend your time on Twitter, then obviously that's not for you. Um, but there, there's so many things now. Um, Instagram has become, you know, one of those places that people are looking to um, in terms of platform. You know, if you're doing lifestyle nonfiction, you know, if you're a chef or interior designer, you know, people are obviously going to work gravitate towards more um, visual mediums, which is not a surprise. So it's really just figuring out, you know, what's the most authentic thing to you, because as you mentioned, you know, uh, consistency is is the number one thing. You know, as an agent, I don't really like somebody to pop up on a platform and then disappear because, you know, as we lead towards a book being released, you know, we can't really have anybody dropping off the platform that they want to be kind of building their community in. So, it's really just about, as I said, that engagement, um, really engaging with whatever that one medium is that you choose, and then just being your authentic self um, and, you know, not putting this pressure on yourself because, you know, as we do talk about platform a lot, um, you know, it's not the be-all and end-all. It's We want you to have fun with it and we want you to be yourself. You know, we're not asking you to be anybody that you're not. We're just asking you to kind of hopefully reach out to more people um, and continue to engage with other like-minded individuals and develop that community um, and being yourself. Because at the end of the day, if you have a community that you're engaged with, um, they're the ones that are going to come, you know, out and buy your book and support you, um, you know, in turn because you supported them. I love that advice because I think it's so important as, you know, an aspiring writer myself, I sometimes feel like I have to be on every single social media, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'm periscoping, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook. And (laughs) one day I was like, you know, I'm not getting any writing done. I'm so busy trying to build something and I'm really losing the essence of why I'm doing this, which is the love of writing and to create Mm -hmm. something really cool and send it out into the world. So I think that's so great to just pick one one area that you're really great at and just continue to build on that. Do you think, you know, is there really a sort of trend towards the books agents and publishers are looking for right now? Is it is it appropriate to even consider trends when you're when you're writing books? Yeah, that's another one of those questions that you get a lot. Um to me, trends are one of those things where it's not something you want to follow. It's something that you want to recognize. You know, you want to go into a bookstore and say, oh, there's a big display about this. You know, a lot of times booksellers, you know, put displays on depending on what's, you know, in pop culture in that moment. And it's not one of those things that we can really predict because ultimately any book that's on the shelf today 
you know, really had a two-year lifespan to get it there. You know, that book was written previously. Um, you know, it spent two years in edits or production or whatever, you know, happened, you know. So, I mean, really to fast-track a book is a year. You know, normally it's about two years to get a book out. So everybody can kind of start to understand how a trend really isn't built overnight. It's built over long periods of time. So I don't actually advise writers to follow trends. What I what I like to kind of train and teach writers to do is recognize trends because one of the one of the great things you can do is, is start to recognize, you know, why is something becoming trendy and start to ask your questions maybe about, about you know, what is it that makes those books special? You know, what, how, is, how are those books connected with people? And, and one really great example, of course, is Gone Girl. I mean, that really, I mean, the author didn't come out of nowhere. That was her third book. But that kind of, that trend, I mean, really just kicked off, you know, a whole subgenre essentially of domestic thrillers. Um, with mm-hmm. a lot of really complex characters. And, and after that, we we saw, you know, the girl on the train, the good girl, you know, all of these sort of women with complex characters and complex thoughts that really aren't falling into these neat boxes. So essentially, yeah, maybe that's a trend. But to me, that really just speaks to, you know, what the market was looking for in terms of complex characters. Absolutely. Um you know, I'm kind of curious if somebody doesn't go with a literary agent and they end up what end up going, you know, direct with a pub, publisher. What are some of the pitfalls that they might experience as a result of not having a literary agent in their corner? That's a good question. So the number one answer to that would just be, you know, the kind of avenues that are open to them because, um, you know, there's considered, you know, the big five publishing houses, um, you know, the Simon Schuster's and HarperCollins of the world, you know, those are the larger publishers that, you know, writers don't have access to. Um, You know, you can't query big publishers like you can query agents. And agents actually spend, you know, their whole career essentially, um, you know, developing contacts and relationships with editors and figuring out exactly what they're looking for at any given time. So, you know, that's just, you know, something that an agent brings to the table that a writer really isn't going to be able to ever, you know, develop themselves, um, that kind of connection with with publishers. Um, the other thing is contracts. I mean, agents are considered specialists in, in, in terms of publishing contracts. Again, we spend our careers, you know, looking at these one type of contracts, book contracts, um, and writers sometimes, you know, if they get an offer from a smaller, medium-sized publishing house, which is great. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to kind of start your writing career. But what happens is sometimes they just don't know the right questions to ask, um, you know, to kind of figure out how to make it a bit more writer-friendly contract as opposed to a publisher-friendly contract. Because at the end of the day, publishers are responsible for performing for their shareholders, um, and their stakeholders, whereas a writer's responsibility is obviously to themselves and their craft, and obviously they want to sell books. So agents kind of fall in the middle of that where, you know, sometimes we have to be the mediator between publishers uh, ultimately trying to respond to their number one goal, which is selling books and making money. And, of course, authors want to sell books, but sometimes they can be at odds in terms of um, contracts. So that's, uh, you know, why agents have to be specialists and that sort of thing. Um, And I think also... You know, writers like having um, a business advocate, as I mentioned, somebody who's there to kind of deal with the business stuff when they so that they can just write. Um, and then the other thing agents do is um, consult on ideas. So sometimes my writers come to me and they say, you know, I've got this idea and I've got that idea. You know, I'm not really sure what to write next. Um, you know, maybe we can just, you know, have lunch or have a phone call to kind of go over some of the options. So, you know, it's just it's really nice having somebody in your corner, as I said, that's the number one fan because, you know, we always have your best interests in mind, um, which I think if you're going it alone, 
you know, it can get a bit lonely. Um, you know, there's lots of resources out there on the Internet, and I don't discount them because, you know, my website is one of them. But, you know, sometimes when you go down a road of trying to do it on your own, um, and sometimes that includes self-publishing where, you know, you have to hire an editor and you have to hire a designer and a typesetter and a marketer. Sometimes you start going down that road and writers come back to me and they said, you know, I wish I had an agent at the beginning to kind of lead me um, down a different path just because I didn't know, you know, what it was going to be like. Excellent. Well, this has been so informative. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that you were able to be with us here today. My pleasure. Carly, we're having this fantastic campaign on the Vivid Life Network right now. And our listeners really get an opportunity to share their stories with us on Facebook. Um, they can find us at facebook.com slash vivid life and submit their stories on what their vivid life looks like. So I'd love to ask you, what does your vivid life look like? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, you know, my interpretation of this would be kind of unapologetically just following your passion. You know, I think a really vivid life means living a creative life um, and one that, that essentially, you know, fulfills you first before it fulfills others because I don't think you can kind of um, sustain a creative life, you know, without, without it being meaningful to you. So that's my two cents. That's beautiful. I love that. Great answer. Well, thank you so much for being here. I would love to have you back again to help our listeners just guide through the process of writing and working with literary agents. I would love to come on again. Thank you. Great. Everyone, Carly Waters can be found at www.carly, C-A-R-L-Y, Waters, W-A-T-T-E-R-S.com. That's carlywaters.com. You can purchase her book, Getting Published in the 21st Century, Advice from a Literary Agent on Amazon Kindle. Join us next time on Literary Speaking for more tips and tricks on how to get your work published as we speak with author and columnist Laura Lee Abbey about her Kindle single, The Rush. Keep the conversation going on Twitter at Writer Crystal with the hashtag Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Clivel. Thank you for tuning in and please keep writing. Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals.